First Peter chapter one, verses 23 to 25. Pastor spent verse 22 all last week on verse 22. I'm gonna dig deep into 23 and then we're gonna fly home into 24 and 25 and there will be no question by the time we finish why the title of this message is Word. There will be no question. Let's understand what Peter is saying. Having, verse 23, having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Verse 24, because all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this, don't miss this, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. My voice today is gonna sound like God's voice. Here's what I mean. You don't need to come to hear my voice, but God's voice speaking through me is gonna sound like my voice today. And then the Holy Spirit that we sang about, the celebration of the life of Jesus, takes his voice and his power, runs it through my life as I'm a vessel, and then he drops the seed of his word into your life, and then you have a choice whether you wanna respond to it or not. It's your choice. God never forces his will on anybody. Here's what he does. He just presents his will to you. You can reject it. You can say no to him. But if you say no to him, there's consequences to that choice. If you say yes to them, there's also consequences to that choice. That choice is a choice of eternal life and the eternal word of God, which Peter is talking about in verse 23. We're talking about a game changer here. Uh, 15 years ago, I went to, <laughs> I lived in Tennessee, I pastored in Tennessee along the Tennessee River. You could see Neyland Stadium. Uh, there was a hill that was back here, the beautiful river here, all the boats going back and forth, and there was a steakhouse that somebody said, you really need to go eat here because this steak that you will eat at this place is a game changer. So I went to a place called, I went to a place called Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> I used two of my credit cards. <clears throat> I was like, the waiter says, it'll only take four. Okay, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But the idea was, um, they said, if you will eat of this steak, that it will really change everything. Your meter on steak will go through the roof and every other steak that you have eaten will be lowered because this steak will set a meter up to here. So they broiled this steak, a filet, in 1,500 degrees. And so they're boiling this steak and then they bring it out on a plate to you at 700 degrees, melting with butter. When you, when you get the steak in front of you, it actually begins to hurt because it begins to fire some sort of something at you like butter and juice. And I'm like, I told my wife, I feel like there's heat on my face. And it's just sizzling. And then they give you a big long knife that you don't even need to cut the steak with. It just melts in your mouth. And after we ate that steak, I thought, you know what? That's a game changer. <laughs> 
And then I thought, no, wait a minute, it's a life changer. It's not just a game changer, it's a life changer. Let me tell you what Peter is talking about in chapter one, verses 23 to 25. He's talking about a game changer here. Look at the phrase, having been born again. Look at the text. It's a phrase, having been born again. It loops and connects verses 21 and 22. The context of 21 and 22 is love for our brethren, love for our sister, a love that is produced by God. So that's the context. And context is always king. You always want to look at the context. So the context that Peter is saying is that you begin to love people, you begin to have a revival in your soul for people that you don't like, you begin to have a revival in your soul for people that you don't really love because you've been born again. You see, because you've been born again, you have no option but to love them because the same Jesus that saved you saved them. And one of the things that we do that gets us off track is the context is love here. So Paul, uh, Peter's, talking about, Peter's talking about having been born again. It's a game changer. Because you've been born again, you love with an everlasting and an eternal love, an agape love, a, a love that's produced by God and God alone. So when you, if you have a difficult time loving someone, one of the things you have to ask yourself is, number one, am I saved? Am I a follower of Jesus? Because John writes in 1 John, if you live a habitual lifestyle of not loving someone, and it's a pattern in your life, then you're not saved. So you need to ask Jesus to come in, deposit his love and grace in your life, so that you don't try to love someone, you trust to love someone. Now, if you wanna send an email, don't send it to me or Matt, send it to God, because I didn't write this, he did. <clears throat> Just letting you know. I'll respond, but I'm gonna respond with 1 John. He says, that's one of the evidences and one of the marks and one of the meters that, that we as Christians are set at because we've been born again, we love people. So if if you've been born of God and born out of God into faith in Jesus Christ and your brother or sister has been born of God and out of God and faith in Jesus Christ, then you're in a love relationship with that person. So when you look at your marriage and you say you're fussing and fighting and you're having it, being at odds all the time and it's just a pattern in your life, you really need to look at whether Christ is in either one of you because when Christ loves, his love is his love, not your love. So you can't love your spouse with your fleshly love. You have to love your spouse with an agape love that comes from God. If she's born out of God and you're born out of God, then you love. Because that's the only way that God does it. He produces love through you. Doesn't mean you won't fight, fuss, and argue. But it means there should be a predictability in your life when you do come to a problem. You say, wait a minute, I'm not loving my wife with the love of Christ. Maybe she would submit, as the Bible says, submit. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto Lord. Maybe she would learn that S word if I would learn, learn how to love her. Because a woman who's loved with an agape love has a demeanor and a radiance that God's loving her through her husband. See, that's, that's the key. I'm, I'm trying to really drive this home. Because we have no message 
if we don't love one another. That's what Pastor was talking about last week. That's what Peter's talking about again. So, so God's love, watch this. God's love touches me and it gets through all the carnal mess in my life because things sometimes stop God's love up. It's like the pipe is clogged and so God dispenses his love on me and then he begins to love through me and he breaks through that clog and he, it, it's like a conduit, it begins to flow, his love begins to flow. So the more that I love God, the more that I'm gonna be able to love you. And the more that I love you, the more I'm gonna see God in you. And the more that you love me, the more you'll see God in me. And when we see God in each of us, we're gonna get encouraged in our love relationship because we're gonna realize there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, either one of us. So Peter is saying, if you've been born again, having been born again, the tense of the verb there is, Something happened back here that puts you in the position that you're in today. In other words, if you ask some people when they trusted Christ as their savior, when they got saved or when they put their faith into Jesus, here's what'll happen a lot of times. Well, 30 years ago, I tell you what, 30 years ago, I remember I was at a campfire and I threw a stick into the campfire and I told Jesus just to save me. Now listen, and then you ask him, well, tell me about your salvation. I told you 30 years ago, listen to me. Peter wants to know, John wants to know, something happened back here that puts you in the position, present tense, puts you in the position that you are right now. And if you're not loving now and you just prayed a prayer, you can miss Jesus by not repenting and believing in faith and having him quicken your heart to him, you can miss Jesus and you, you won't be able to love. And so the idea is we love not by focusing on one another. This is very important because if I focus on you and you focus on me, you're gonna have all the reasons why you don't wanna love me. And I'm gonna look at you and go, there's a lot of faults in your life and I have all the reason why I shouldn't love. And then God says, you love them with my love. You love them with my love. Listen, Freeman, I rescued you out of your mess. I rescued them out of their mess. You don't look at their faults. You look at me and you love them no matter what. The Spirit of God produces that kind of love. Is there somebody you have a broken relationship with? Family member, a spouse, a child, a coworker? And you're thinking, I can't love them. There's no way. No, you won't love them. You choose to walk in the flesh and not let the Spirit of God live through you because Jesus said he can always do through us what we can never do for ourselves. So what we can't do, he can do. With him, all things are possible. Apart from him, nothing is possible. So therefore, having been born again, Peter says, having been born again frames me for love. It allows me to love. It gives me the privilege of loving. It allows me to surrender and say, it doesn't matter what you do to me or what you don't do to me, I'm still gonna kill you with love. I'm gonna kill you with kindness. There was a church I served at. Everybody's got their first church. And there was a, a deacon that he did not like me at all. Did not love me, did not like me. Uh, 
He voted in a business meeting one time. Oh, you may not know what this stuff is like, but he, he, told, he made a motion that I wouldn't get a raise because he didn't like me. I'm in the meeting. I have to moderate the meeting. You see how whacked out we are? Let the pastor moderate the meeting and have somebody stand up and make a motion that they don't give the pastor a raise. You think on a scale of one to 10, I wasn't at a 70? Oh, missing my flesh. I could have took him out back, laid him out, buried him, put him six feet under because my house was next to the cemetery. I could have done it. And by the grace of God, I didn't because I couldn't speak to the meeting. I was the moderator and the moderator can't speak. Are you kidding me? Both of us had a frictional relationship. He didn't like me for this. He didn't like that I did this. So I called Emory Gad one day. He was here. He's been here. He's always been here. (laughs) And I said, what should I do? He said, go have coffee with him. Sit down with him. Don't say anything about y'all's friction. Just love on him. I'm gonna tell you what. I believe in miracles. He never brought it up. I began to just talk with him as a normal person. (laughs) Pastors aren't normal. And I... And we began to talk, and the next deacon's meeting, he began to be for me and not against me because somehow God supernaturally took two people who were worlds apart and reminded us that having been born again, we have a responsibility to love one another in the power of Christ. So if you say that you can't love someone, what you're saying is you won't do it. You will choose not to. And you can choose not him, Christ, or you can choose him, Christ. You can choose not him or him, but when you choose him, he does something supernaturally where he brings us together in the context, in the environment of love. Look at the text. Having been born again, not of a corruptible seed. That's what the text says. Not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible through the word of God. So Peter is saying the corruptible seed The corruptible seed would be the seed that you were born with. You're born um, from your parents and that seed is corruptible. It's gonna end in death. And so it's a corruptible seed. And so it's gonna end in death and there's, there's nothing you can do about that because you're born into the family of Adam and that seed is corruptible. So all of your relationships would be corruptible because of that corruptible seed. So... If you're gonna stay in the family of Adam, then you can live in broken relationships. You can live with fractured marriages. You can live with lives that are shattered because people can't get along. Because a corruptible seed will produce a corruptible life and that corruptible life will show itself not in love, it will show itself in hate and anger and bitterness. But watch this. Peter says, that's the negative, you're not of a corruptible seed. The seed is the word of God. But of an incorruptible seed through the word of God. So watch this. I have every right if I'm gonna live in a corruptible seed and a corruptible life to misuse you, mishandle you, say things to you that I shouldn't say. And I can excuse myself in my flesh. But if I've been born again of an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which is the power of the word of God that tells me that the only way I can move from a corruptible seed to an incorruptible seed 
is understanding the imperishable, incorruptible word of God. The word of God tells me, the logos, the written word of God, it tells me that there's nothing I can do to save myself. It condemns me. It shows me my sin. It tells me the story of redemption. It tells me that there's hope in Jesus Christ. And it tells me, the written word of God tells me, the logos tells me that I can't do anything but bow before him. So if you're here this morning thinking you can be saved by being better, trying harder, loving more, you're mistaken. The word of God tells us this incorruptible seed that when you and I get saved, we bow before the message of salvation. The word of God is about salvation. It's about Jesus' death, his payment on the cross for our sin. It's about his resurrection. It's about the soon coming king. It's the message and the totality of salvation is found in the Logos, the word of God. So I I have to bow before the imperishable seed, the word of God. And watch this, John 1.1 tells us something. Turn there, John 1.1. Tells us something important. Before there was the written word of God, there was the living word of God. Notice the text, John 1.1. John tells us this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, before the beginning began to begin, Jesus was preexistent. He is the word of God. You know why I can trust the word of God? Because I can trust Jesus Christ, the living word of God. He was there before time began. It says here, in the beginning was the word. There's perfect good unity between relationship here between God the Father and God the Son. So there's unity yet relationship. And the word was with God. So is Jesus God or is he with God? And the answer is yes. It's yes. It's yes. Look at this. And the word was with God and the word was God. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the written word of God because Jesus is the living, real word of God. So now watch this. So when I trust Christ as my savior, I not only receive Jesus Christ into my heart and he washes away all my sin and he doesn't put a seed in me that's corruptible and has a shelf life. He puts the seed of the word of God in me. It's incorruptible and it doesn't have a shelf life. It's eternal. I get Jesus Christ, the living word of God inside of me and then I have the written word of God to go to on anything I'm facing in my life. Think about that. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace. Go back to 1 Peter. So here's what Peter says. You're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible through the word of God. So the word of God leads us to Jesus. The written word of God, it's not just about speaking and writing, it's about a living person. And so what you have to make is the connection here that Peter's in the context of loving. So if you have a difficult time loving someone, here's what I wanna ask you, one question. How much time do you spend in God's word? You know what most people would say? I don't. There's your answer. The more you read the word of God, 
And the more you allow the word of God to read you, confront your sin, confront your flesh, wash grace over your life, the more loving you'll be. That's the way it works. It's not the amount of time you spend in the word, it's the attitude of your heart. Is God speaking to me? Yes, he is. Does he wanna speak to me? Yes, he does. Why is it that when God speaks to people, they look mean? Have you ever noticed when God, people look mean when God speaks to them? I'm like, what happened to you? They just look mean. Listen, here's the deal. You wanna make sure when you read God's word, God doesn't have to repeat himself more than once to you. He has told us to live in the context of love. He has told us to love people. He has told us that in this room, if you guys don't love each other in this room, you have no message in the city of Houston. Oh yeah, we'll reach the city of Houston. No, we won't unless we produce a love that God can produce through us in this room. When we love in this room, that's the best witness we have. So you and I are gonna have friction at times. You and I are gonna come to a place where we disagree, but we don't even look at each other in those moments we look to Christ. And we say, Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer me, but thee. Resurrection, this is an old hymn, old hip hop, old hymn. Uh, Resurrection power, fill me, fill me, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Jesus in me, Jesus in you, Jesus in you, and Jesus in you. Together, the world says, I'll listen. Look at the text. Having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God, listen, the word of God, it lives forever, it lives, continually lives, continually gives life. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful. You don't have to turn there, but it says it's living and it's powerful, it's active. It divides between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What comes from God and what comes from us? The power of the word of God. So think about this. As I'm preaching the word today, the word was written long before any of us were created. So this Bible has to be powerful. It has to be active. It has to be living. Not only is it the written word, it's the spoken word. And this word was alive long before you got here. So when God makes application in your life today of the word of God, he did it before you ever got here. You tell me that's not powerful. That's powerful. But if you don't spend time in the word, you'll never get the word in you and you'll never love. Astroworld, um, it's, it's demolished now. People are posting a lot of nostalgia pictures and hey, everybody, did you walk across this bridge? Yeah, if you're in Houston, you walked across the bridge. They had a ride at Astroworld. It drives my point home and even a little further. It was called the taxi cars. You remember them? Little taxi cars. Everybody loved them because anybody could, get, your little kids could get in, the big kids could get in. Here's the thing. And you could act like you were driving and they had a steering wheel, but here's the point. They had a rail in the middle of the track. It didn't matter whether you turned right or turned left. That rail kept you on course. Do you remember that? Let me tell you the rail that keeps us on course. The living word of God, which is Jesus, and the written word of God. Because if you go off the rails in your relationships, that speaks louder than anything in your life. Here's what he says. Verse 23. The word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, the word abide means to, care, to tarry. 
to be at home with. Have you ever gone to somebody's house where you just felt like you were at home, even though you were a guest? You know, you didn't have to be cautious about anything. You just kind of, you came in and took your shoes off. You may even took most of your clothes off. You took your shirt off. And you knew that they had your favorite ice cream, pistachio, almond, and Rocky Road in the freezer because they knew you were coming and they wanted you to feel at home. So the idea of the word abide here is that God wants us to feel at home with him. He wants us to dwell with him. He wants us to tarry with him. He wants his word to not be uncomfortable in our lives, but to be comfortable, to feel like it's at home in our lives. You see, when we get in the word of God, the word of God gets in us, it exposes our sin and our flesh and our relationships. That's what the word abide means. The word abide a little further could mean this. If you've ever gotten in a hot tub, it would be like, um, you know how it gets, it's kind of hot when you, you, you kind of go in slowly, especially at a hotel. Well, never mind. <laughs> it's like 109, 100, you go in slowly and all of a sudden your body gives in to the warmth of the water, but you got to go slow. And then you kind of immerse yourself into that hot tub. That's the way it is with the word of God. Go ahead and take a dip. Get in there, but let it, listen, immerse yourself, abide. The word of God lives, continually lives, and abides forever. That's what the text says. So the gospel, write this down, the gospel never dies. You're gonna die, but the gospel never dies. The gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation through him and him alone, the gospel lives and it abides forever. If you're 90 years old and you die tomorrow, or if you're 50 years old and you die tomorrow, the word of God will live forever because the word of God makes me alive through Jesus Christ. It keeps me alive and I will stay alive because the gospel will never, ever, ever die. Never, never die. The gospel, the power of this word, when this word gets planted in your life, things happen, miracles happen. Situations change because of Jesus Christ. Now let's go to verse 24. Because, connecting word, because all flesh is grass. He's talking about man. All flesh is grass. The grass, all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So the grass withers. Basically, you're born of a corruptible seed like me. We begin to die as soon as we begin to to live. We're on the process of dying. We get scorched, and that's it, basically. That's what he's saying. All grass is flesh. Anything that man can come up with is all flesh. It's all grass. Uh, The idea was in Isaiah 40, chapter 40, verses six through eight. This is a, basically a repeat prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40. It's exact wording. You can look at it later. But he says, all flesh is grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. So basically what he's saying is if you go after your flesh, the flesh is just transient. It's going to wear out. Israel, in Isaiah chapter 40, if you back up 39 chapters, one through 39, Israel was worn out. They had been serving Babylon. They were away from the temple worship. They were away from the place of worship. 
You don't have to tell Israel that life is frail and life is fragile. That's what, that's what Isaiah was saying. But when it comes to chapter 40, which is the quote here in Peter, what, what God is saying through Isaiah is there's comfort coming from God for those that put their confidence and those that put their trust in God because Babylon is gonna fall. All flesh is grass. Kings are gonna fall. Kingdoms are gonna fall. There was great military power in Babylon. There was a military king. Uh, there was, uh, but Babylon fell, the flower falls. Uh, Egypt fell, the flower falls. Greece fell, the flower falls. Um, everything falls, every king, every kingdom will fall. So all grass is like flesh. And here's what people miss. People say, but wait a minute, some flesh is good because there are some people that are smarter than others. There are some people that are more intelligent than others. There are some people that have it together than more other people have it together. Let me tell you something, the flower still falls because it says it's for the glory of man. That's what the text says. And all flesh is grass, it's gonna get scorched, it's gonna burn, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. So watch this. The glory of man always points to man. The glory of man always says man is super intelligent. Man has technology. Government has all of our answers because they're the government and they're kings and kingdoms. And this person, listen, it's all for the glory of man. The glory of man, man wants attention and man wants to point to man. But man can't do what God can do. So if you give attention to man, all grass is flesh. It's gonna fall, the flower falls. I got good news for you about our government. Flower falls. Flower falls. Some of you are zipped about the government. You post it. And you post stuff about the government. Can I tell you something that will free you up today? The flower falls. God said it before time began. Don't put your hope and faith in the glory of man. Man doesn't deserve glory, God deserves glory. And when you give God glory, you're gonna give glory to his word and you're gonna give honor to his word and you're gonna give the ability of your heart to hear his heart from his word. That will draw attention to God, not to man. I don't wanna know what man can do. I know what my flesh can do. I know what your flesh can do, but I'm not interested in that and neither is God. He's interested in what he can do and what he can do is transform us by the word of God. Look at this. The grass withers, 24, and the flower fades, falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Ever. There is no beginning, there is no end. It, it endures forever. Now the word for word is a different word in verse 25 than it is in verse 23. In verse 23, he's talking about the logos word. That's the written word, all that salvation is, written, the written word of God. But this word for word here in 25 is when God takes, it's the rhema word, it's when God takes his written word and as you're spending time in the written word, he pulls out a rhema word and puts it right in front of your face. That's called a personal word, a personal assignment, a specific assignment just for you. So what God does when we spend time in the Logos word, he begins to pull out rhema words and those rhema words are this, love one another. No options, 
No options. Love one another. It's the context. Look at it. The word of the Lord endures forever. Do you love when God takes his written word and you read it and it's like his words just jump off the page to you and speak a personal word to you? It's fixed and it's certain. I have a friend who uh, spoke at a conference in Alaska. I never got it. That's a nice place to go. I speak in Alaska. Um, An Arco Oil Company, 20% of the oil, used to own 20% of the oil. Um, He had a friend at the conference that was high up in Arco Oil. And he set him up for a plane ride above Prudhoe Bay. And so as he got in the plane, it was a big plane, they got strapped in, they kind of, you know, 60, 80, 120, 150, 180, and we're up. And it was a beautiful day in Alaska, clear skies. And the pilots, he could hear them talking back and forth, the co-pilot and the pilot. And he said this, he said, we're coming in on the instruments. My friend said, why would you come in on the instruments? He said, shut up, we're landing the plane. I'll talk to you later. So, so he, they landed the plane and they came in on instruments on a beautiful, clear day when everything was placid. And the pilot looked at him, he said, here's the reason we come in on instruments on Prudhoe Bay is because the fog rolls in about 300 feet from the ocean. And it can be clear, placid, and predictable and look like you've got everything right, but I'm gonna tell you what, you will hit the fog. And if you hit the fog and you're not coming in on instruments, there's gonna be a problem. He said, this is what we do. We fix our eyes on what is certain on our panel, not what is uncertain like inclement weather or the fog rolling in. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when the word of God says it endures forever and it abides and it lives forever, you and I have got to fix our eyes on something that is certain because when you hit the fog in your life, you're going to find out that the word of God is true. It's active, it's living, it's powerful, and it abides forever. So let me give you a challenge this week. Take this word and don't look at a clock. Just start reading it. And let the word get in. It may just be one word. Let it get in you. We're closing with this. Here's what Peter says. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Here's what he says. Now this word, rhema word, which the gospel was preached, it was preached to you. So this word that I'm preaching today My voice sounds like God's voice, but it's not my voice. It's God's voice going through me, but it's preached to you. Jesus personally loves you. Jesus personally wants to confront you of your sin today. Jesus Christ wants to show you the way of your error. He wants to show you how much he can forgive you and how much grace he can dispense on your life. The word of the Lord is preached to you. It's not for somebody else. The word of God has to come to you. And Peter said the word of God has come to you. And the word of God that has come to you comes in power. And it comes not only the written word, it comes with a specific word for you. What is God saying to you today? What's he saying to you? During this message, where's he putting his finger on your heart today? What relationship? What situation? What life can be changed? Because he's taken his written word and he's dispensing a specific rhema word for you.
This word which by the gospel was preached to you. See, some of you came to Christ recently and there were some people that you hated before you came to Christ. But now that you have come to Christ, these people that you now hated, you now have the ability to love because your life has been changed. And that ability that you have to love this person that you were against and now you're for is all because the gospel came to you. And when the gospel came to you, this word came to you, this word has forgiven you, it tells you that ability that you have to forgive this person will be with you as a new creation for all of your life. We are gonna live and love forever in heaven because the word of God is eternal and Jesus Christ is eternal. You're gonna live and love forever. So this word that comes from his word but specifically comes to you today is because God is making application in your life. I'll close with this story. For me, it was 1983. I was on the back row of a camp in Brownwood, Texas. Unlike Matt Carter with uh, our pastor with um, Al Denson singing, will you be the one to respond to the call? Do y'all remember Al was here? Unlike that, my call was not Al Denson, but my call was Don Wallace was doing the music in an open air tabernacle with ceiling fans. And the word of God that was written before I ever got there and before the pastor ever was born and before I was born, he was speaking the logos, the written word of God. But on Thursday night at the back row, God took his written word and he reached into his written word and he gave me a rhema word and he said, I need you to repent. I am calling you into the ministry. I need you to surrender to me. And you know what I did? When the invitation was given to come forward, I went out the back because I could escape. I know, what, I know what campers can do. And all the counselors were going, there's nothing in the manual that says what to do when we lose a camper. But let me tell you what I did. For three hours, I was gone. People were looking for me. I bled. My nose was bleeding because I was crying out to God, repenting of my sin, repenting of an arrogant, cocky demeanor and attitude. I was in a mess. I was involved in so much stuff. My life was stacked up with carnal flesh like you couldn't believe it. And I said, God, if you're real, would you touch me? Would you dispense your grace? Would you take your written word and touch me with a rhema word? And God said, I will. And he said, will you follow me? And I said, I will. I didn't have to fill out a card. I just said yes to him. Listen, you want to get to the place in your life where God doesn't have to repeat himself over and over and over again. When he says do it, my answer is yes. At your word, I will bow. At your voice that speaks to me, I will say yes to that. There's no discussion. It's just a repentant heart. It's a broken heart. It's in humility that you come. And in 1983, God got a hold of my heart. I went back home. The real test of your faith is not what you do in church when you sing songs and you listen to the message. The real taste is when the, the test is when the incorruptible seed begins to put deeper by the Spirit of God into your heart and you begin to be convicted over relationships. And the first thing 
I did when I got back from campus. I went to my home. It starts at home. It doesn't start somewhere else. It always starts at home. I went to my mom and dad and said, forgive me. I've been an arrogant, cocky, disrespectful son. No excuses. My friends came to pick me up on Friday night. I said, don't worry. You don't have to do that anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I wasn't mean. I wasn't ugly. I just said, guys, God's touched me. So the places that you're going to take me that I used to go, I can no longer go. Darkness, light doesn't go into these places anymore and, and sin is hidden in the darkness and so I'm not going there. So I had, to, I had to get some new friends. I'm gonna tell you what, I gave up a lot of friends, but I'm gonna tell you what, I got so many friends today, I don't even know what to do with them. Because God's so big. He, he's given me so much. And I don't deserve any of it. And then I was dating a girl and our relationship was terrible. It was of the flesh. We, it was just terrible. All that you are apart from God. And I went and I said, we're done. I'm walking away from all these things. And God says, you just trust me. You just say yes to me. And I want you to know my journey, I'm 56 now. I fall and I fail and I have flesh just like you do. But let me tell you something. It doesn't take me 20 years to get to the Lord now. I repent. If the Spirit convicts me, I say, oh God, I repent. I'm sorry. You do that. Love through me. Give through me. Do through me. You know, when your heart is carnal and you've got all this flesh blocking, you just make excuses for your behavior. There's no more excuses when you come to Jesus Christ. You deal with your sin, you let him dispense his grace, you let him forgive you, and you're a new creature. Instantaneously. What word from this word today has God taken and deposited as a rhema word for you? Some of you have never trusted Christ as your savior, and Jesus wants to free you today. You're living under pressure to perform, to try to be better, to try to love more. I'm gonna try to love the person. <laughs> let me tell you something. If you'll just leave this place and say, God, I can't do it. And you let Jesus come into your heart, deposit that incorruptible seed, receive him by faith. He'll do some amazing things through your life. Whatever God's telling you to do, just do it today. Don't let God make him repeat himself again to you. You have the word, the word of God, his specific word to you. Now deal with whatever he tells you to deal with.